God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ, He is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when He lived and walked among people, and He makes a difference today because He was raised from the dead and He's seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We'll hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding speaking God's Word and writing God's Word on the table of your heart. Let's start off with this song by Toby Mac, Speak Life. feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable broken live or die so speak It's like I'm drowning in the deep Well, it's crazy to imagine Words from my lips as the arms of compassion Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak
Recently, I have been rereading a book called Faith and Confession by Charles Caps. There's some wonderful truth contained in that book regarding activating your authority in Christ and receiving all that the Father has made available to us as children by way of our confession and believing God's Word. Today, I thought we would look at confessing God's Word and the power of the spoken word. Let's begin in Psalm 45, if you have your Bible handy. Psalm 45, verse 1, and the the last half of that verse says, My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue, my speech, the words that come from my mouth are the pen of a ready writer. Where does my speech write the words that are spoken? Proverbs chapter 3 is going to answer that question, verses 1 through 4. My son, forget not my law or my word, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Here in Proverbs, God's people are instructed to not forget God's word and to let our heart keep his commandments, not to forsake mercy and truth, but rather to write them upon the table of our heart. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 3, My son, keep my words and lay up or treasure my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. The apple of your eye here, that is something that you cherish above all else. It is the treasure of your heart. We're to keep God's word and live, and his word is to be the apple of our eye. Verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers Write them, write God's word upon the table of your heart. Here in verse 3, binding God's word on your fingers is an Eastern idiom that meant to remember and not to forget. Write God's word on the table of your heart. If the word instructs us to do that, it must be available to write words on your heart. Your heart, that is where your believing comes from. The heart is that part of you that all the issues of your life emanate. How important must it be to be in control of what words are written on our heart? In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. To incline the ear here is to consider and regard with high esteem God's sayings, his word. It is with the ear that we hear. We are to hear the word of God audibly as we confess with our lips the word of God, and we also hear that word internally in our inner ear, both when we speak the word out loud and when we meditate on the word in our mind. Verse 21, Let them, God's words, not depart from thine eyes, Keep them in the midst of thine heart. We're not to let the word leave our sight. We're to observe the word in the midst of our heart. Verse 22, 
for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. 23. Keep or guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of the heart are the issues of life. That is a key, key verse. We are to guard our heart with all diligence. We're to guard it above all that we guard or all that we keep. Why? Because out of our heart come the issues of our life. The heart is the source of what is shown forth or manifested in our life day by day. Our heart is made known by the life we live. Verse 24, put away from thee, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. In other words, don't speak perverse words in crooked speech. Those types of words would be words that are contrary to God's word. Why? Because our ears hear those words and they are being written on our heart. As they are written on our heart and become a part of us, they are then lived out in our life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 has some tremendous truth here. When God spoke to Joshua, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua here is told by God to speak God's word. He says, My word shall not depart out of your mouth. Why is what we speak so important? Because we hear everything that we speak. The words you speak affect you more than they affect anyone else because you hear every word, both good and bad. As you speak, your tongue is that ready writer upon the table of your heart. One way for us to guard our heart is to control our mouth. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, uh, let's look at verses 49 and 50. Jesus Christ speaking here, and he says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Jesus Christ didn't just speak whatever he wanted to. He spoke what God told him to speak. He spoke his Father's words. Remember when Jesus Christ was tempted of the devil in the wilderness? He confronted the lying words spoken by the adversary with, It is written. He spoke out loud the word of God. The word of God is a living word. The word of God contains the life of God. The word of God, spoken on the lips of believing, brings to pass God's will in every situation. How can we begin to get to the point in our heart and life that we believe God's word to the end that we live it? Romans chapter 10 verse 17 is a key verse regarding that topic. So then faith or believing comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The spiritual power in believing comes by hearing the word of God. 
It is writing the Word of God upon the table of your heart. The Word of God must be spoken in order to hear the Word of God. God's Word is God's heart. Write God's Word on your heart by speaking God's Word. The issues of your life will show forth your believing God's Word as you speak and hear God's Word and believe that Word. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 20. And he, Jesus Christ, began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, verse 4, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, verse 6, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Verse 8, And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of this parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. He's now going to begin to explain the parable starting here in verse 14. The sower sows the word. How is the word sown? By speaking the word. The sower sows the word. In this parable, what is being sowed is God's word. Then Jesus goes on to explain the different responses to that sown word. Verse 15, And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. When they heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they had heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a while. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Verse 18, And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So these first three are those where the word is sown on stony ground, where the word is sown on the wayside, and where the word is sown, but it has no root because it's sown among thorns. And it's the cares and the riches of this world, it's the deceitfulness of that, or it's affliction or persecution that steals away that word in that person's life. Verse 20, here is the key, key verse to which you and I fall into the category of, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it 
and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. It's the word of God that was sown by the sower. The word is the seed. It has life in and of itself. It's a living word. When the living word takes root in the heart of a man or a woman, it will always bring forth fruit. Some may bring forth thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundredfold. The good soil of the heart brings forth abundant fruit when it receives the word of God that is sown. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We are born again of God's Spirit by incorruptible seed. It is by believing the word of God that was sown in our hearts that we are born again of God's Spirit. Remember Romans chapter 10, verse 9. We've read that many times over the weeks and months here on the Solution Radio Show. It says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall absolutely be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The heart believes and the mouth confesses. That is a wonderful pattern for bringing into manifestation all the promises of God. Speak and believe, believe and speak. The word of God is seed, and when it is received in the garden of your heart, it brings forth fruit, fruit unto eternal life. It's the mouth that confesses God's word. It's the heart that believes God's word. The mouth writes on the table of the heart by the words that the mouth speaks. We can set our heart to receive all that God has available for us by speaking, by confessing his word. It doesn't just mean that we say it one time and expect that we're going to believe to receive. No, it's a habit pattern. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Confessing God's word, talking to the Father about his word, meditating on that word, it builds in the heart because it's being written on the table of your heart and it will eventually manifest itself in your life as you believe it in your heart. Just tremendous truth there and what a great reality of what we can do in our life to endeavor to live for God and to believe and live his word. Verse 24 continuing in 1 Peter chapter 1, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. So the glory of men today, it lasts but for a moment. It's going to all wither away. Verse 25, In contrast, the word of God endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Man comes and goes along with his glory. 
but the word of the living God lives forever. And that is the word that we preach. It is that word believed that brings life, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. To bring forth that fruit in your life, continue in the same style. Speak God's word. Be a sower of the word. Don't sow opinions. Don't sow a social gospel or a feel-good emotion. Sow the word of God by speaking God's word. That word is first in our mouth, then it is written on our heart. Jesus Christ stated in the Gospels that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Literally, what you believe is what you talk about. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, the Apostle Paul stated, We, having the same spirit of faith or believing, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Paul is saying here that what you believe, you will speak. If you believe the word, you will speak it. If you begin to speak the word consistently and act accordingly, you will eventually believe it. And if you believe God's word, you will boldly speak his word. What a wonderful cycle of producing believing as well as planting seed for the harvest. Let's look at another record in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark. The day before this record that we're going to read here in Mark chapter 11 is when Jesus had cursed a fig tree that was barren and would produce no fruit. Let's start in verse 20 of Mark chapter 11. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed, it's withered away. And Jesus answering said unto him, Have faith in God. Some translations read, Have the believing of God. It literally means, Believe God. Believe God. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Jesus says here to speak unto the mountain. Don't doubt in your heart. Believe what you are speaking, and it will come to pass. Speak to the mountain. It doesn't say to talk to everyone else about the mountain. It says to speak unto the mountain. The mountain is the circumstance or the problem in your life that you are confronted with. What do we speak? We speak the desired result, not the problem. Speak what you want, not what you have. Recognize your position of authority as a son of God. Know that you have the right to use the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall absolutely have them. To believe that you have received after having prayed would surely involve controlling your mind and your speech. If after you pray and thank God for deliverance in an area of your life, 
and then you go back to thinking the problem is too big or confessing that you'll never be delivered from this sickness or this need, well, then you're probably not going to receive the answered prayer. So often, when we do that, we sabotage our deliverance because we've, we've switched. We've chosen to believe the circumstance instead of the promise of God, the Word of God. We've reverted back to confess the need instead of confessing the desired result, the answered prayer, the Word of God. Our words are incredibly powerful. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Amplified Version says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. What you allow your mouth to speak affects your life. You hear every word you speak. Your words will either build you up or they will tear you down. You decide what you talk about. Our believing is affected to a tremendous degree by the words that we speak. Remember Romans chapter 10 where we read that believing comes by hearing the word of God? Well, let's tie that in to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Here in Hebrews it says, Now faith or believing is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified Bible here translates 11.1 as, Believing is the title deed of things prayed for. The title deed, that's the proof of ownership. Believing is the evidence that you shall absolutely receive that which you have prayed for. Control your tongue to be a ready writer of God's word upon your heart by speaking God's word. Believing comes by hearing the word of God. Does the desired result happen immediately? Sometimes it does. Other times it may take a little time. If it's taking some time, continue to write the promise of the word of God upon your heart. Don't revert back to confessing the problem, the need. Continue to plant the seed of God's word by speaking the word until the desired result is manifested. Think of a farmer. He plants seed in the spring, believing he will have a harvest in the fall. Imagine if two weeks after he's planted the seed, he goes out to the field and he sees that nothing has come up. So he climbs on the tractor and he plows the field over, thinking the crop will never grow. How foolish would that be? Yet we sometimes do the exact same. We've prayed to God regarding a situation. We are speaking the promises of God, knowing they are more real than the problem. Yet a couple days go by, sometimes only a couple hours, and we're all negative and speaking words that tear down. We literally have just plowed our heart, not allowing the word to germinate and take root and bring forth the fruit of deliverance. After having done the will of God, speaking his word, we have need of patience. God's word is a living word. Plant the seed of God's word 
in the garden of your heart. You decide what you are going to write upon the table of your heart. How incredibly important it is to have a watch upon our mouth. The power of life and death are in the very words that we speak. My heart is liberated with the realization that I'm saved by grace You never wanted my flesh But you know you have my heart And all of my days Father, let my life Be an offering of grace I am a mighty conqueror And a helpless child Lord, my heart and my flesh, they fail But you are the strength of my life I am freed from sin and born again Each new day a chance to trust you No longer enslaved By these worldly chains, oh Lord my freedom is in serving you No longer enslaved By these worldly chains Oh Lord My freedom is in serving you Our guest today is a minister, pastor, teacher of God's word, and a successful businessman. He has presented the Purpose of the Ages seminar in many churches throughout the country. For the past two years, he's been a member in the Values Driven Leadership PhD program at Benedictine University. I'd like to welcome Steve Carter to today's program. Steve, thanks for joining us today. And thanks, Greg, for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited about this topic. It uh, could be a controversial topic. Um, there's a lot of different viewpoints on it. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sovereignty of God, and I know you've studied God's Word and worked God's Word in this area. My first question is, when people speak of the sovereignty of God, they so often imply that God is in control of everything, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad. Is God in control of everything that happens in the world? You know, Greg, this is a, it's an interesting topic. I think it's also a challenging one for uh, Christians to understand and to to be able to live their life in accordance with this. Most of us have been raised to be of the mind that God is in control of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, <clears throat> you know, for years as a minister, uh, you know, back in a previous part of my life when I would counsel people and bad things would happen, many of them were under the impression that God somehow had complicity in it, and they were supposed to just kind of accept by faith that he had a purpose for the calamity that had occurred in their lives. Many people have been taught that God sends sickness or he sends calamity or di uh, difficult circumstances in order to test our faith and to try our faith and to see if we can withstand, you know, those negative circumstances. And in a, in a way, and there's verses in the Bible about how a father chastens his son and mm -hmm. things like that. So those are invoked and 
and brought into view as, you know, see, God chastens us, and so he wants to prove our faithfulness and help us kind of grow in faith. Uh, so it's, it's not to say there's not some logic behind this. Mm-hmm. You have to always go back to the scriptures, and you have to look at what does God declare about himself? And does he declare that he is in control of everything and that he is the one who authors sickness and calamity? Is that his declaration? And in First John, uh, it says in the in, in I think the first chapter, it says that you know he is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if there is no darkness at all in him, we now have a boundary as to what God's nature is. Mm-hmm. His, his the boundary of his nature does not extend to darkness. You know, so if you're going to attribute dark things, and we would all say that sickness and death and calamity is a form of darkness, not light, mm-hmm. um, then you have to, you, you're actually going to have to wrestle with a contradiction in the word itself where he declares of himself, there is no darkness in me at all. So you, you can kind of see where there's some, mm-hmm. uh, there's truth there that I think is fairly simple and evident, but there are many philosophies, religious philosophies that seem to you know, somehow hold sway over people. And I would suggest it just because they haven't yet to come to know the true nature of God mm-hmm. as declared by Jesus Christ. I think to sort of tie into that then, is there anything that God can't do? Well, in, in accordance to that verse, he can't be darkness, right? Um, and as soon as you say God can't do something, it tends to be a little bit jarring to people. Well, God can do anything. He can do anything. Well, if God says that I am not a man that I should lie, can he lie? No. If he says there is no darkness in me, can he be dark? If he could, then he contradicts his own word, and we really don't have much to talk about on this show today. But if if he is honest and true, which he is, and if he is, uh, is if he declares himself to be something and he never departs from that declaration, then we can take with full assurance the truth that there is no darkness in God. Now, I think you also asked me about, you use the word control, you know, because mm-hmm. does God control everything? And so uh, some people will admit, well, okay, there's no darkness in God, but if he wanted to step in, he could at any time. He, he could step into a situation and stop the darkness. And the reality is, well, yes, he, he absolutely can step in. You just read many records of people being healed by Peter and the apostles. And you also alluded to other you know, records in, in the Gospels where Jesus Christ healed people. So mm-hmm. that's clearly God intervening, stepping in, and overcoming a negative situation, right? Mm-hmm. So does he have that, that ability to do that? He certainly does. But in each of those records you read, uh, Jesus Christ did, you know, he walked with uh, the full assurance of the Father is in me to willing to do my good pleasure. That's mm-hmm. now our joy to have the same thing. The apostles spoke and declared in Christ's name and invoked the power of God that way. So there is a there's a condition that has to be met for God to intervene. Um, yeah, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And if that condition isn't met, then he he not only does he not intervene, he really cannot. And that mm-hmm. is the big question. Why is that? Why is the world set up today in such a way that he he cannot intervene unless somebody invokes the name of Jesus Christ and by faith accepts God's intervention at that point. Mm-hmm. And 
sort of tying into what you're saying too so many people will say well if it be god's will well Mm -hmm. we can know the will of the father by looking at the word and the life of jesus christ right well and you know let's talk about control and authority and and really sovereignty because uh, the a lot of the theology is kind of comes under the heading the sovereignty of god right Mm -hmm. And sovereignty really denotes power and authority. You know, we use it as a sovereign nation or a sovereign king, that there's an, there's an authority vested in that king, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so that king has sovereignty. And it's a legal authority, right? I mean, if you were to go against it, you would be uh, opposing what has been cast as the law of the land, so to speak, right? So the question I would have is, so who has sovereignty over the world right now and the kingdoms of the world? And and it's if you look in in Luke chapter four when the devil was tempting Jesus Christ, it says he showed him in an instant, in a moment, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, you know, that if you bow down and worship me, I will give you this. Mm-hmm. Because and he said, it is. It's, he basically said, to whomsoever I want to, I can give it because it's mine to give. And he made a big point in Luke four that he owns. The authority over these things. Right. So this is still true today. And so then it begs another question. Well, from whence came that authority? And if you ask a lot of Christians, you know, who gave the devil authority over the world? He's, he's called the God of this world in the Bible. Well, who gave him that authority? Mm-hmm. Many will say, well, God gave it to him. But the records and the record in scripture is that another had that authority over the kingdoms, over everything in the world. You know, all the fowls in the air and the fishes in the sea and, and everything that creeps on the earth. And, and who was that? Adam. Adam. Yeah. And that was what God had given to Adam. And he gave him a mission to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. And so he, he gave him the ability to subdue the earth. He gave him authority over all the earth. But then when Adam decided that he did not need God... He, at the same time of rejecting his relationship with God, he accepted a relationship with the devil, and the devil ended up subverting that authority and taking it uh, as his own, and so that's how he ended up with it. It was a transfer uh, from Adam to to the devil, not from God to the devil. Mm, that's that's a really clear explanation, and it is clear in the scriptures it for is. sure. Yeah, you know, sort of in light of all that, where does man's freedom of will come into play in regards mm-hmm. to God's will? Sure. So one of the things that is evident again scripturally is that God has given choice to created things, including angels. Right? We know that a- angels chose to rebel. Lucifer went from the angel of light uh, to Satan because Mm -hmm. of a a choice to rebel. And other angels made the same choice. Adam had choice, and he chose also to rebel and to reject uh, God. And so we still all have that same decision point, that same choice. That is something that God, uh, for his reasons and purposes, um, has made clear that he, he honors that. He will not force upon you a choice, which is, again, another boundary of his power. And this is what he declares of himself. I, you have free choice. So if you freely choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, then the scriptures are clear that you now have been given the authority that Christ has. And Christ's authority completely trumps 
the devil's authority. Right. At at any moment, at any time, um, and and we see it again in the Gospels, the records of Jesus Christ. He he calmed the storm. He raised people from the dead. Death had no had did not have greater power than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And all of that authority that he walked with at the time, he has now and then some because he, when he was resurrected, God gave him a name above every name. And in fact, he's, he's, he has authority over all things, both in heaven and earth. Well, that's quite a bit of a power and authority to invoke. Sure right? is. And so if we invoke that, then we, we don't need to worry about the adversaries being the God of this world and having authority over the kings of the world because we are far above that with Christ. And with that freedom of will, God doesn't want robots. In other words, oh, no, he wants that's people. A, that's a decision, right? Yeah, it's a choice. It's each of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, Steve. Well, this next question I had written down, sort of, we've sort of already answered, but I'm going to read it anyway, just see if we sort of pull something in additional. Uh, so many today, so many sincere and well-meaning religious people attribute to God calamity, mm-hmm. sickness, death, or they say this tornado is God's judgment on this city. Well, the Bible states, like you said, that the devil is the God of this world, that he's the author of heartache, sickness, mm-hmm. and death, not God. From a biblical perspective, uh, why is the devil able to cause those types of problems on people? Well, again, I mean, I think he, 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 his, his ministry is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that ministry is facilitated by his authority and the power he has, which was transferred to him from Adam. So instead of using it the way God intended for Adam to use it, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it for God, the adversary, God's archenemy, uses it for his own purposes, which is stealing, killing, and destroying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then he, he's, of course, aided by and abetted by human decisions that play right into this. So when human beings make decisions that are opposed to God, even unwitting ones, all they're doing is facilitating the, the adversary's purposes, right? Mm-hmm. So really, the, it talks, you know, when you read those uh, verses, I believe it was in Acts, and when, when Saul was called by Jesus Christ, you know, and then Saul recounts it later, to turn their eyes uh, from darkness to light and to, uh, to what does it say, to take them from the power of, of Satan, Satan unto, unto the power, the power of, God. of God, right? So that's our mission to the world. Mm-hmm. We, we, are, we are calling people to come out from that power of darkness into the power of light, and it's a simple choice. Right. If you if you know that if I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I believe God raised him from the dead, that I am transferred from the power of Satan, as it says in Colossians, from the exercised power of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Mm-hmm. That's a choice we can make. Yeah. Which is great. That's the good news of the gospel, right? It's a, it's great news. And so at that point, then calamity and darkness, and all those bad things that happen on the planet Earth, they don't cease. Jesus Christ said, uh, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So and there is a day coming when all of this will be sorted out and fixed, right? And that's going to be a great day. But in the meantime, we have access to the power and authority that resides in Christ. And so for those who make that choice, that free will choice, um, they no longer have to be afraid mm-hmm. and, and, and be subject to the bondage of death and things like that. Right, that's awesome because we have a purpose in life based on what you've shared. Uh, we have the privilege to be able to minister mm-hmm. God's word to people. How could we ever have a boring life <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you've got the power and authority to use the name of Jesus Christ and to be able to walk in the fullness of what God's made available to us? 
I, I know that you teach a seminar called The Purpose of the Ages. I, I've had the privilege to sit through that, though it's mm-hmm. been a few years. Can you give the listeners just a brief overview of what that seminar is about? Sure. Let me try to take 12 hours and put it into <laughs> right, five minutes. Seconds, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the idea of it is is that we, we start with um, kind of an exposition of the greatness of God as seen in the things that he has made. In, in Romans chapter 1, he says that by the things that he made, his divine attributes are clearly seen. And then he goes on to say, therefore, uh, there is no excuse. And I've always thought of that as a very powerful verse that the God of the universe would have in the Bible and authored and written down by revelation that the things that I made clearly declare and, and make me evident, my divine attributes. So there is no one who can say, I had no knowledge of you, God. And that has fascinated me for many years. And so I thought, well, let's let's look at the things that he made. And so we start with uh, a, a view, an overview of things about cosmology. We'll get into the Big Bang Theory, um, which many people in the Christian world uh, mistakenly associate with the evolutionary theory and so kind of toss it out. And yet all the data that, that God has made able for man to see, in other words, it's amazing that the observation ability, observability of of the things that God made is just amazing, right? Um, how far we can see back in time and how far out into the universe. And all the data that's been collected through all the scientific inquiry has culminated in, in a, uh, a pretty hard conclusion that it actually troubles scientists because of its mm-hmm. spiritual implications that the, the universe had a beginning. Well, isn't that amazing? The first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God right. created the heavens and the earth. And the scientific data absolutely validate that, mm-hmm. that amazing statement. Now, scientists may not attribute to the beginning, the beginning to God because they can't go that far. But nonetheless, the data show, very declare very evidently that there was a beginning, mm-hmm. you know, which aligns with what God says. And if you take it down to the, the cellular level and the, even the subcellular into the atomic and subatomic level, there's equal amazing evidence of of God's handiwork. And so we spent some time with that, and, and really it's the idea is this is the God with whom we have to do. This is how awesome and how great he is. But with all of this majesty that we see in the things that he made, that really wasn't the purpose behind what he did. He declares that his purpose of all ages was that we would be capable of having oneness with him, hmm. that he would have mankind and he would have people with whom he could have intimate fellowship and oneness and that we could then demonstrate to the world you know God's attributes through our lives that go way beyond the things that are made which even with those people have no excuse to say there is no God but how much more when Jesus Christ who modeled a human being in in its oneness with God he said he said it's so evident by the things that I do and the things that I say in my life that if you've seen me you've seen the father mm-hmm. so our purpose now the purpose of all the ages is that we too would live our lives in such a way and allow God to transform us in such a way that we could say to someone if you've seen me you've seen the father and now I know that sounds to most of us it sounds like yeah right yeah, that's a little crazy but that's the calling mm-hmm. that we are supposed to walk worthy of. And so there must be a pathway, a vehicle to get there. 
And so the purpose of the ages is to help people see that, that pathway, that there is a way to come to that point. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, to think that we, as God's children, are the purpose of the ages. And I think there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says that God will put his people on display for all eternity to show how great he is. His kindness. Yeah. Right? His, his exceeding great kindness is, uh, is exhibited in us which we all chuckle at because the angels are like, wow, look at those people. God must be really kind <laughs> right. to afford them such a great life and, uh, and such goodness. Oh, what, an, what an awesome life and privilege we have to be yeah. children of the one true God. Yeah. Uh, sort of to wrap things up here, is there something in your heart and life that God's been working recently that mm-hmm. you would like to share with the listeners? Just what God's been working on your heart of what the need might be within the body, within those within our sphere of listening and so forth? Well, there's there's probably a number of things, but uh, I guess what comes to mind more than anything is um, in this call to being one with God and in his uh, amazing, you know, God has foreknowledge, which is, is quite, uh, if you think about that, it's quite profound that he knows, he says he knows our end before the beginning. He says he... He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He has had his eye on each individual human being from, from before they were conceived. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is an attribute of his foreknowledge. So in that foreknowledge, he sees each of us individually, and he, he has given us that freedom of choice we talked about earlier. But when we choose to accept Jesus Christ... And we choose to, to, as Jesus Christ said, to give up our life to have it. If you want to have life, you have to first give yours up. Mm-hmm. And so we surrender, so to speak, the authority over our own life, and we, we give it to our Lord Jesus Christ to direct our steps and our hearts. Then we enter into what God has said are his prepared works for us, the things he prepared for us before we ever even confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And so when you think about that, Greg, I mean, at any moment in our lives, and it doesn't matter what happened five seconds ago, five years ago, 50 years ago, you know, people get caught up with their past. Uh, but God's forgiveness is always there in Christ, right? Constantly. So at any given moment, if we seek God and we say, we seek his face and we say, what is it you would have me to do? He has a work prepared for us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's within the constraints of our capacity, mentally, physically, our lives. He knows us. And there is, no matter what our constraints might be, there is always a work that he has prepared for us to walk in. And, and I, I say to people, imagine if every member of the body of Christ, there's somewhere, estimates are around two to two and a half billion Christians on the planet. And by the way, it's the fastest growing so-called religion mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, Christianity is exploding in places around the world, not so much in the States. But, but imagine if all of those members of the body of Christ all entered in, and, and in a moment they all did the works God prepared for them to do. Mm-hmm. And what would that look like? Well, I think it would look a little bit like what he had said to Adam, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Yeah. Because uh, you know, the adversary would have very little room to operate mm-hmm. if all members of the body of Christ were doing the works God prepared for them to do. That's awesome. That's very encouraging. That, yeah. that light that we would manifest in living the word would dispel the darkness. Yeah. And uh, it would be a dramatic change in what we see today. Well, Steve, um, you have the Purpose of the Ages seminar. 
Um, right now, you've been involved the last couple of years in the Values Driven Leadership PhD program at Benedictine University, and I know you've taught at various seminars around the country also on leadership. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to get a hold of you to have them, have you come speak at their church or their their small group Bible study, what would you recommend to be the best way? Or I think the probably the easiest way, the best way is just to uh, maybe write an email to you at the website. Okay, we can do that. And let them know that they want to reach me and how to reach them. Mm-hmm. I could forward great. that off to yeah. you. No, I'd, I'd welcome that, sure. Okay, the, the website email would be info at thesolutionradioshow.com. Okay. Thank Excellent. you, Steve. I well, really appreciate you, your time today. Thanks very much. Alrighty. God bless you. God bless you. Mark Yackey can help with the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. 
Call Mark Yaki, Certified Financial Planner today at 630-955-1400. Office is located at 2323 Naperville Road, Suite 150, Naperville, Illinois. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there is a page for upcoming events. On Friday, November 13th, there is a Men's Night of Fellowship at the Compass Church in Naperville, with Super Bowl champion and brother in Christ, Don Beebe. There will be information on the website for that event. If you'd like your event listed, you can send information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day, where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844 705 3410. Once again, the number 844-705-3410. We will play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. We have listeners on the internet replay all throughout the United States and in many countries around the world. The Solution Radio Show is listener supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. All financial gifts are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois 60567. Once again, that address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois 60567. There also is a donation link available on our website. A thank you to our sponsor for this show, Ameriprise of Naperville. Some of the underwriters for the Solution Radio Show include the Carter Group with offices in Chicago, Dallas, and Minneapolis, Integrity Mortgage and Financial in Colorado Springs, Colorado, John's Handyman Service in the Aurora, Naperville area, Wasatch Technology in Naperville, and Morningstar Computer Training and Consulting in the Aurora, Naperville area. Please visit the sponsors page on our website to find out more information. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.